Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to share fellowship in your word. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of mercy and the forgiveness of sins. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You are welcome to our second episode of Spiritual Gifts. We started last week and we did a perusal of 1 Corinthians 12 from the verse 1 to the verse 7. And we explain certain things that are critical that we know in order for us not to abuse and effectively also use spiritual gifts. And I ended on the note that based on the way this nine gift as stated in 1 Corinthians 12 operates, it has been grouped generally in the body of Christ. We have grouped spiritual gifts into three based on what they do. So we have the gifts that reveal things. So we call them revelatory gifts. And for them, we have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. We have the gifts that demonstrate the power of God. All gifts that do things, gifts that causes change, and we mostly call them power gifts. And for them, we have the gift of faith the workings of miracles and the gifts of healings. And we have the vocal gift or the utterance gift, the gifts that have to do with speaking. And for them, we have the speaking of tongues, the gift of prophecy and the interpretation of tongues. So we'll be starting with each group. And today we'll be starting with the revelatory gift. That is gifts that reveal things. So let's start by taking a look at our scripture from 1 Corinthians 12, and let's build our point. Now, it says that now concerning spirituals, and from last week's episode, I explained why some versions will have spirituals, some will have spiritual gifts, some will have spiritual gifts with the gifts in italics. I said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, ye were led away unto those dumb idols, wheresoever ye might be led. Wherefore I make known unto you that no man speaking in the Spirit of God saith, Jesus be cursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but in the Holy Spirit. The verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are diversities of ministration, but the same Lord. The verse 6. And there are diversities of workings, but the same God, who worketh all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit to profit without. Now the verse 8, which now begins to list out these gifts. And it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith in the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings in the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and the same spirit, dividing to each one severally, even as he wills. So under the revelatory gift, we see them in the verse 8, just that one of the revelatory gifts, that the discerning of spirits, which is in the verse 10. So under the revelatory gifts, we have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. They are gifts that enable us to reveal things that naturally would not be known to people or would not be known to any man. Now, in order for us to be able to define all these gifts, 
there's a key principle that would run through all of these things and that can be found in the verse one that says that now concerning spirituals or concerning spiritual gifts this is the first thing we should know in all these nine gifts of the holy spirit the first thing is that they are spiritual gifts because most of the times we conflict spiritual gifts with natural talents or inherent abilities or or skills or things that we inherited from our parents or things that we get to our natural birth. Now, the Bible is saying that they are spirituals, meaning that they are things that have nothing to do with the flesh, nothing to do with our body, nothing to do with what we inherit from our parents. So we should not conflict spiritual gifts to natural abilities or natural talents. And when we talk about some of the gifts, particularly the word of knowledge, you would see how this principle is very important in defining all these gifts. Now, it's also important for us to know that mostly gifts in the same group mostly work together. So mostly in one scenario, you can see the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the descent of spirits working together in one particular scenario. And as we go on, you see an example of such. And the same thing with the power gift and the revelatory gift. In the last episode, I gave the difference between those who operate in the offices and those who possess the gifts. And I'm saying that people can have one or can have more than one gift. And mostly, but people that operate in offices are those that mostly have these gifts or more than one of these gifts working together. So in a particular instance, we can see the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge in operation. In another particular instance, you can see maybe prophecy and discerning of spirits operating. It happens because all these gifts all work together for a particular goal or to achieve something. And it's very important that we understand that these gifts complement each other. So there's a point to which word of knowledge can go. And after that, then word of wisdom will take over. And you will look at an example for us to appreciate these things. Now, word of knowledge and word of wisdom is quite difficult to explain because it's, it's quite challenging to find clear-cut scriptures that clearly spells out what a word of knowledge is or what a word of wisdom is. And because of that, people have come up with several definitions that they think best fits the definition of this gift. Just to chip this in, there's this school of thought that the word of wisdom is the best gift because you know that later on Paul tells us that convert the best gift. And people have the notion that the word of wisdom is the best gift because that's what is pleased first. So kind of having the, the first, um, that's taking the first place. And because of the nature of the order in which the gifts were presented, there is this school of thoughts that the word of wisdom is the best gift that Paul was talking about. But that's not our focus for tonight. We want to just learn what these gifts are and how they play a role in our day-to-day living. First gift you would like to look at is the word of knowledge. And I give that the underlying principle to defining all these spiritual gifts is that it's a spiritual gift the supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit gives to an individual. With the word of knowledge, many of us may misconstrue those we term um, natural sharks, people that have a word of knowledge. And by natural sharks, in our local setting, we mostly refer to people that they don't spend much time, or according to what we see, we don't see them spend much time learning, reading their books, but by the time the results come out and they are topping their that is not the manifestation of the word of knowledge. Neither is it something we learn by experience or something we learn due to 
a natural means, but it is an information. So now I'm defining word of knowledge. So word of knowledge is simply a supernatural revelation or a supernatural information that the Spirit of God gives to an individual concerning a situation, concerning a people or a person, or concerning a particular event, or if I should say, an information given to an individual by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important that we understand this definition, because taking the example of Samuel, you know, when the boy Samuel was growing up, the Bible says that he used to sleep inside the Ark of Covenant. And one day he heard his voice, that Samuel, and he got up and he ran to Eli. And it happened for three times. And the Bible said, and Eli, perceiving that it was the voice of God, he told Samuel that the next time you hear the voice, just say, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. Now, that is not a manifestation of the word of knowledge. Because it was Eli told Samuel that information due to his experience as the high priest of God. He was able to perceive that the voice that Samuel was hearing was from God. So, word of knowledge is not something you get by experience. It's not something you get by your work with God. It's not something you get by reading the Bible. It has nothing to do with a natural means of acquiring this knowledge. It's a supernatural information that somebody gets, which is given to that person by the Holy Spirit. Now, for us to really understand this gift, a classical example of this gift is seen in Matthew chapter 16. So, I want us to see this gift in Matthew chapter 16. And let's see how this gift plays out beautifully. And this is where I coined my definition for a word of knowledge. Matthew chapter 16. Now we know that Jesus asked them, his disciples a question that, who do people say I am? And that's the verse 14. And he said, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, and others say you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then verse 15, he said unto them, but who say ye that I am? Now the verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 17, listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Flesh and blood, I do not reveal it unto you. But my Father who is in heaven has revealed this unto you. So now how did Simon Barjona, or how did Simon Peter know that Jesus was the Christ? Because if it was something that it was gotten because of his work with God, the other disciples would have known it. Because he had worked with Jesus, he had seen the miracles, he had seen him multiply bread, he had seen so many fantastic things that Jesus did. But none of these things was enough information or was not enough source for Simon to know that the man that he was working with was Jesus, the son of the living God. So Jesus told him that, blessed are thou, because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. That means that there was no way that you could have known this information through a natural means. But my Father who is in heaven, that gave this information to you. And this is a classical example of a word of knowledge in display. It's information that you can only get due to the Holy Ghost downloading this information to you. And we see the manifestation of this gift also in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now we know that God had told Samuel that he was going to anoint after the people of Israel asked God for a king. God told someone that he's going to lead him to a man named Saul of Kesh, that he should anoint him as king. Now, you know that before that, Saul's father had lost some of his donkeys, and Saul was going to look for it. Now, someone meets Saul and tells Saul that, come and join me, and let's go and eat and have a discussion. And he told Saul that the donkeys have been found. 
So you should not worry about this donkey. Now, obviously, the only way someone could have known that one, Saul was looking for a donkey, and that two, the donkeys have been found was because God had told it to him. So it was not because someone was looking for the donkeys or it was someone had found the donkeys. It was because he had this information because God gave him this information. God gives you a fraction or God gives you a piece of his infinite knowledge because God knows the thoughts, the intents and everything in this world. And when God decides to give a person a piece of this knowledge, then it becomes a word of knowledge in display. So it's not something you can get because of your experience. Something you can get through any natural means, but it's only an information you can get because the Holy Spirit gives it unto you. And that's what Jesus said, I have known this information, except my Father gives it to you. Now, let's go to the word of wisdom. And the same principle applies to the word of wisdom because we know that every believer is naturally exposed to wisdom. So James tells us that he that lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, that is freely unto all men. So by prayer, Every believer has access to wisdom. And you know, Paul also told Timothy that how thou hast known the scriptures, who is able to make you wise unto salvation. So this scriptures is telling us that as a believer, there is wisdom available for you. And this is not the manifestation of the word of wisdom. Because we gave the underlining principle that it must be something that has nothing to do with the flesh. But by the reading of scripture, for example, when you read the book of Proverbs, you see so much wisdom. So the Bible says that, that he that works with their wives shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So you can get wisdom by just looking at this scripture. But when we are talking about the word of wisdom, we are talking about a supernatural manifestation of the plans and the purposes in the mind of God to an individual. So let, let me just chip this in. Mostly with the word of knowledge, it has to do with present or past events and we saw the example that we gave the one that peter was able to tell who jesus was that was a parent event and how someone was able to tell so that the donkeys was looking for have already been found it was something that already happened but with the word of wisdom it mostly has to do with future events so god gives an individual or the holy spirit gives an individual a piece of formation concerning his plans and his purposes and now a classical example of this manifestation can be seen in Joseph. When, you know, Joseph was in prison and he interpreted a dream of the baker and the buckler. And you know that the king also had a dream. And now he needed the interpretation of the dream. So this scenario, both the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is an operation. Because the only way that Joseph knew the dream that the king had, and we'll see that in Daniel, you know, the king also had a dream and he told these people that, or his wise men that tell me the dream and the interpretation. The only way that Daniel and Joseph, in this case, knew what the king dreamt and the meaning of the dream was because God had given them the information. It was not something they could have got through any natural means. It was something they could have got because they went to school or because they were associated with the king or with Pharaoh or with Nebuchadnezzar, but they had that information because God gave it to them. But now, after Joseph was able to tell Pharaoh the meaning of the dream, Pharaoh was like, so now that I know that I'm going to get seven years of bumper harvest and seven years of famine, what am I supposed to do? So now he asked the people that, what do we do? And the people themselves said that, let us appoint Joseph because he looks like someone whom the spirit of the gods dwells. That's how they put it. Joseph had not done his 
PhD in food or food studies, who have not been to any school to learn how to store grain, how to store corn, how to store maize, how to store yam, how to store rice, was able to store food enough for seven years to the extent that they had more than enough that they could give out to other nations. And it's quite interesting that in our era with all our information and technology, there are certain countries in this world, I wouldn't want to mention any country, that are still recording large quantities of post-harvest losses. So farmers are cultivating watermelon, are cultivating yam, are cultivating cassava, but because they lack a particular information, they are unable to store their yam. So when they don't get enough buyers, the food goes to waste. But Joseph, several years ago, was able to devise a mechanism, was able to devise a scheme of preserved food for seven years, and they had more than enough food for other nations. And that's the classical manifestation of the word of wisdom. Through the word of wisdom, Joseph was able to preserve Egypt and other nations. So this is the word of wisdom in operation. And another example could also be seen in Acts chapter 27. And we have read the scripture when we were doing who told you. Paul was a prisoner and they were transporting him. And Paul said, I perceive that this voyage could be of much damage. Now, the only way that Paul could have known that there was something coming, therefore he told them that they should not take this trip, was because he had a supernatural information. Paul was an expert sailor to look into the, the weather and predict that, oh, the way the rain is coming. And in fact, there were people who were skillful predictors. And when they looked at the natural occurrence, they were able to say that, let us do this thing. But Paul gave a contrary information. And the only way Paul could have given that information was because he downloaded it, if I should say, or it was given to him from God. So the underlining element in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is that it's a supernatural information that is given to an individual. And it's important that we understand that this information can either come through a dream, through a vision, or through prophecy. So you can get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom through a prophecy or through a vision or through a dream. An example can be seen in Acts when Peter was praying. The Bible said, and he was hungry and he was praying on top of the roof. And he saw animals descending and a voice spoke to him and said that kill and eat. And Peter refused to kill and eat. So the other was he was thinking about what's the meaning of this dream was the Holy Ghost spoke to him and told him that two men are coming to look for you and when they come follow him as a manifestation of the word of knowledge because there was no way that Peter could have known that two men were coming to look for him because it was as if he was standing on top of the roof and he saw two men coming to look for him and even if he saw two men coming what showed that they were coming to look for him so at that instant through that vision the Holy Ghost also communicated to him a word of knowledge that two people are coming and they are coming from the house of Cornelius. And when they come, follow them. So that's also a manifestation of the word of knowledge in the life of Peter. It's important that we understand these things. Because as I said, these gifts that God gives us are for advantage, are for the helping of others. And when I'm done talking about the descending of spirits, we will understand all this. Now, the next gift under the revelatory gift is the descending of spirits. Now, before I define what this gift is, let me first put a disclaimer of what this gift is not. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Let's see what this is. We want to know what the descent of spirit is not before we look at what it is so that it will be a little bit clearer. So now, the writer of Hebrews is speaking here and he's saying 
let's start from the verse 13. For everyone that partaketh of milk is without experience of the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. Now the verse 14 is saying about solid food is for full-grown men, even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to be able to discern between good and evil. Now this scripture is not talking about a discerning of spirits, but it's talking about discernment. And discernment is available to every matured believer. So now the writer of Hebrews is telling us that matured people, those who feed on solid food, they have exercised their senses so they're able to discern whether something is good or not. So because many times people come and ask us questions like, is it right or wrong to bet? Is it right or wrong to, to pierce? Is it right or wrong to, to do tattoo? Is it right or wrong to do this? Many people want to know if it's right or wrong. And how do we know if something is right or wrong? It's true maturity. And one element or one virtue of a matured person is that a person is able to distinguish between good and evil. And this is available or this is a feature of every matured person. You should be able to distinguish between what is good and what is not good. But now with the discerning of spirits, now we need to understand that the meaning of discern or what it means to discern, it simply means to be able to perceive something by seeing or by hearing. You've been able to distinguish between two things and the name of the gift is the discerning of spirits. So this gift is the supernatural ability to perceive which spirit is in operation. So, in simpler terms, is the ability to see in the spirit realms. Because when we are able to see into the spirit realm, we are able to see which spirit is behind each manifestation. And this gift is very important. For example, if you are in a church or you are in a prayer meeting, and there's a manifestation, somebody begins to give a prophecy, or somebody begins to manifest, how would we know if this is the voice of God, or this manifestation is of the spirit of God or not? It's through this gift of the discerning of spirit. That's the only we are able to tell which spirit is in manifestation. So this gift gives us the behind the scenes information or behind the scenes operation. And it's very, very important, especially in the era we live in, because everybody is teaching, everybody is preaching, everybody is doing miracles, everybody is prophesying, etc. But the fact that they are prophesying or the fact that they may be quoting the scripture doesn't necessarily make them people of God, or doesn't necessarily make them ministers of God. Now let's look at a classical example of this in Acts chapter 16. It's a very interesting story over there that we should take note of. And it's a classical example of the manifestation of the discerning of spirits. Acts chapter 16. Let's start from the verse 16. And it came to pass, as we were, now Paul and Luke and his people were going, that is the word we. Now, the only reason, because we are reading the Bible, we are giving information that the spirit that the person that this girl was operating was the spirit of divination. But Paul, as Paul and, and, and Luke were roaming about, they didn't know this. But because we are reading the Bible, we are giving this information. Now we see that who brought his master's much gain? The same that's referring to the girl was following Paul and cried, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim unto you the way of salvation. Now take note of what the lady is saying. She's saying that these men are servants of the most high who are showing unto you the way of salvation. Verse 18, Saul being troubled, came and said to the spirit, I charge thee in the name of Jesus to come out of here. Now this is very interesting. Look at what the lady was saying. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what the lady was saying. 
She was saying that what Paul and, the, and his friends were doing, they are ordained men of God, they are true men of God, and they are showing you the way of salvation. Listen to them. But then we know that because we are reading the Bible, but Paul was able to perceive through the discerning or through the gift of the discerning of spirits, was able to tell that what this lady was saying, though she was saying the right thing, she was not saying it by the right spirit. So the source of information is very important. Even the devil can quote scripture. And the fact that the devil is quoting the scripture doesn't make what he's saying true. Why? Because of where the information is coming from. So in the temptation of Jesus, we see it. He quoted the scripture twice where it is said, um, he will give his angels child over you, etc. You know, he was quoting the scripture. Because of the person that was saying it, it was a lie. That's why this gift is very important, especially in the era we live in. Because when we turn on our radio, when we turn on our TVs, wherever we go, people are preaching, people are sharing, people are doing all sorts of wonderful manifestations. And we can easily misconstrue them for the for a genuine manifestation of God. And the only way we can tell whether this or whether this person who is speaking is of God or not. So someone will ask that why did Paul have to cast out the spirit from this girl because what she was saying was true was the harm in what she was doing now this is very important that if paul had ignored the lady and just allowed her to keep on following them and saying that this is or these men are of god what would have happened was that or let me explain it in a, a situation that we understand so imagine there's a conference and there's a pastor a that you know is a genuine man of god and Pastor A is organizing a three-day conference or a five-day conference or whatever, and he invites Pastor B to, to come and minister in his church. Now, because you know Pastor A is genuine, you would be quick to associate the fact that because Pastor A is genuine, Pastor B is also genuine because of his association with Pastor A. So immediately, Pastor A is not on the scene. Because Pastor B has been associated with Pastor A, who you know is genuine, you'll be quick to also assume that Pastor B is also genuine. Now, what would have happened if Paul and his friends had ignored this lady was that when Paul is no more in the town, people would now go to see this lady. Because now, because of the association with Paul, God, the fact that she was saying the correct thing and Paul did nothing about it, is a form of approval that Paul was giving to the people concerning the lady. So whenever Paul is not in town, the next person they are going to see is going to be this lady. But now this lady is speaking from an evil source or is speaking or using the spirit of divination. That is why those you associate with is very important. So if Paul had ignored this lady, the people around would have confirmed or would have assumed that this lady was also an authentic, if I should say, an authentic minister of God. But that is not the case. This gift is very important because you see, especially in the times you are living in, there are many wolves in sheep's clothing. There are many people that will come to you. And I know people are like, it's very difficult in trusting people these days. It's difficult in offering help. And there's this funny thing that's happening in Ghana. You will lend somebody money. And when it's time for the person to, to pay back, you have to now literally chase the person. I've had such instances. And I'm always telling God that, ah, if I had a descending of spirit, I would know that this person I'm giving the money to will not bring the money back. Because you end up giving somebody money and now you have to chase the person for your own money. And this gift is very important because every day you are interacting with people. You may have somebody you want to join into starting a business, but this person can be somebody that is possessed with an evil spirit. We need to be able to descend the spirit behind each operation. 
we need to be able to descend. And just on a lighter note, this is just a lighter note. Sometimes you give, imagine giving your, your Christmas cloth to a seamstress or to a tailor to suit for you. And you tell a tailor that Christmas is 25th, so I need my dress by 24th. Then 24th, then Wahala. She can't even find the cloth. And sometimes you miss out on opportunity because you trusted someone. And I'm like, ah, I wish I had a descending of spirit so that I would tell that this person, the spirit that is behind this person is not a correct spirit. And this is on a lighter note, but this is just to let us appreciate why these spiritual gifts are important. Because they give us an advantage. They give us an upper edge because there are many things you won't know by natural means. But when the Holy Ghost gives you a word of knowledge, gives you a word of wisdom, or gives you the descendants, but it gives you an upper hand. So you are able to take more informed decisions because you have behind the scenes information. But I remember one time I and a friend, we went for an evangelism program. We went to preach in a particular neighborhood. So just when we were about to live in the neighborhood, another man was entering and we had extra time on our hands. So we were like, oh, this man has come. Let's just go and minister to him. So we met him, we introduced ourselves and we shared the word of God with him. Then he was, you know, as usual, moody and all those things. So just about, about leaving, my friend told the man something. And the man broke down in tears. And we were like, hey, what's, what's going on? And the man said that what my, my friend I was going with told him was something that God has been telling him. I think he once had an incident. I think he fell off a tree or he fell off a building or something of that sort. And I think he broke his leg or something. So when he was in a period of recovery, God was, according to him, God was ministering something to him. And according to him, what my friend told him was exactly what God has been, had been telling him over and over again. But he was becoming resistant. He was becoming stubborn to the voice of God. And at that instant, what my, my friend told the person was not something my friend knew because he knew the guy or because or she read that statement from the Bible. But it was something that it was laid upon the heart through the Holy Spirit. So at that instant, the word of knowledge was in manifestation. So she was able to tell the man something that only him and God knew about. And because of that, the man was, he, he believed that this time he really gave his life to Christ or he really painted, took a, a 180 degree stand and now followed the core of what God had been telling him to do. So we need this gift in operation in our day-to-day living. That is why we should not relegate these abilities to people we consider their spirit or to consider as pastors. Because as long as these gifts are available, to every believer, we must capitalize on them. Because there are some people that will come your way with evil intentions. Just look at their boyfriend who broke your heart. Do you think if you knew that he had an evil intention, would you be happy? Because through the descending of spirit, you could have known that he's coming with an evil intention. You can downplay the significance of this gift in our life. Because they are important. They are relevant. They give us an advantage. So I would like to just pause here and ask for questions or contributions. Yeah, Benji, you can ask your question. Okay, thank you. Um, so my question is about word of wisdom. It said it's about revealing the mind of God concerning something in the future. So can't it be something in the present? Can't it reveal something about the mind of God for a present situation? And I want to ask about the scenario of Jesus Christ, when they brought that lady caught in adultery to him, that according to the law of Moses, he has to be stoned to death. So what um, they wanted to know what Jesus Christ 
had to say and then he was able to salvage the life of the woman so what um Jesus is spiritual gifts was he manifesting at that moment yeah. okay okay so concerning the question you asked i would like us to read the the story itself in john chapter 8 to see what actually happened so that we could deduce what was happening there so john chapter 8 let's start from the verse 3 it says that and the scribes and the pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set her in the middle they said to him master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act but what do you see now as i said because we are reading the information that you would naturally not be predisposed to they say that they said they tempting him that they might have to accuse him so now let's see what jesus did but jesus stood down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not so when they continued asking him he lifted up himself and said to them he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground and when they heard it been convicted by their own conscience went out one by another beginning at the oldest even to the last and jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the middle now as i said one of the key things we should understand about these gifts is that it's a supernatural ability so it's not something that you would get through a natural process it's not something that is inherent but it's something that is supernaturally given it may not be spectacular i hope you know the difference between the spectacular and the supernatural so now what jesus did was simply an operation of wisdom they brought a situation to him that somebody had sinned and because of what we have and according to the law of moses the person who commits this sin should be stoned now jesus did not need to enter into the spirit if i should say how we say it locally or uh, the holy ghost did not have to whisper to jesus that everybody there was the sinner because it was something that we all know for fishing that jesus that all of them they were sinners it was not something that it was necessarily given to him by the holy spirit but it was an information that it was there an information that everybody was sinning especially with the pharisees and the scribes because they were hypocrites even the lay people knew that the pharisees were hypocrites you know so it was not something that was given to jesus by a supernatural means it was not a supernatural means of communication so it was simply an application of wisdom that was at play there so that scenario was not the word of wisdom in operation but it was simply the wisdom that jesus had that was in operation and i said that the underlying factor to know that something is a spiritual gift is that it must be given by a supernatural means it's not something that you can get through learning it's not something you can get through any natural process but it's something that is given through the holy spirit supernaturally so it's a supernatural manifestation of the spirit of god everybody present could have known that these people were sinners you know because even as i said among the lay people they knew that these people were already sinning just that they were covering that because remember even john the baptist called them whitewashed tombs he said you blood of vipers so it was it was it was an obvious truth just that nobody dared to speak against them even though they upheld their righteousness which was by the law they were not righteous in their hearts and the rest so it was not something i don't believe it was a supernatural manifestation 
that was at play but jesus simply knew so maybe we could say that a word of knowledge was in operation in the verse in the verse six they said they tempting him that they might have to accuse him so jesus could have known that the question that they brought to him was not because they wanted to know what to do but because they wanted to tempt him you know in a particular scenario they asked jesus a particular question and the bible said and jesus knowing their thoughts I think it was when they asked him about paying of tax to Caesar. The Bible said, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, bring me a coin, and you know what happened. And obviously, Jesus, there's no natural process by which somebody can read somebody else's mind. The only way Jesus could have known the minds of the people was through a supernatural manifestation. So this is the thin line between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the mere manifestation of knowledge and wisdom. To go back to our scripture, as in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the verse number 7, it says that, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with. So let me just use a different translation, or let me use more than one so you can get it clearly. It says that, let me start with the King James. It says that, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. The NET says that to each person, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the benefit of all and you know that immediately finish talking about or immediately finish listing out the various gifts paul was now talk about the fact that just as in the body we have various members some may be prominent and some may not so we also have in the body of christ so paul was talking about the manifestation of the spirit of or the manifestation of spiritual gifts in the context of the body of Christ. Now, many people will think that these manifestations are only needed or are only applicable to those who are into, in quotes, ministry. And I know when I mean ministry, because we know from Ephesians chapter 4, I think let's go there because our scripture that we pray on is in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the fivefold offices. Let's have on the verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he said, why did he give them these gifts? Or why did Jesus give us these gifts? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we saints are the ones who do the work of ministry. And ministry of ministry simply means the work of service. Every member of the body of Christ has been called to serve the body of Christ. You are not just called to be an accountant. You are not just called to be a teacher. You are not just called to be a businessman. You are not just called to be a lawyer. But you have been called to the body of Christ. You have been called to make your contribution to the body of Christ. And now, the verse 13 says that, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now let's quickly go to the verse 16. This is where our scripture for prayer came from. We said, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. I would like to take it in basic English. It says, For him, the whole body, fitted and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love and let's take another version so that we could clearly see what the scripture is telling us it's saying that through whom all the body being rightly formed 
and united together by the full working of every part. The kingdom says, by the supply. Brothers, I came to tell you that you have a supply to make in the body of Christ. You have not just been called to make a supply in the law firms. You have not just been called to make a supply in the world of academia. You have not just been called to make a supply in the aspect of medicine. But you have a responsibility in the body of Christ. And this is not just reserved for those who are in full-time ministry. This is not just reserved for those who we consider spiritual, those we call mamas or papas. But as long as you consider yourself a member of the body of Christ, you are committing a crime. If you refuse to make a supply, if you refuse to pay your contribution, if you refuse to make your contribution towards the body of Christ. Because remember, the, the Bible said this spiritual gift is given to every man to profit. Every man, let me not use man before some of the ladies think they are not part, is given to every person. Sweetheart, I came to tell you that you are given, there's a gift that the Holy Ghost wants to give to you. There's a gift that the Holy Ghost needs to give to you so that you can become effective, so that you become, so by your gift you can serve the body of Christ. But many of us are just thinking about ourselves. Many of us are just praying for our breakthroughs. Many of us are just stay praying for when we are going to get married. Many of us are just praying for when we are going to get that promotion. And because of ourselves, Many of us are not getting the answers to the prayers because it is in meeting the needs of others that our needs are met. One of my favorite stories is about the prophet and the widow. We realize that the prophet needed food. The prophet was hungry. The widow of Zarephat also had food. But what she needed was a supernatural touch in order to sustain she and the family. So on one hand, the prophet had the supernatural word. On the other hand, the woman had the food. If, if the prophet denied the woman the supernatural word then the woman also denied the prophet the food both of them would have ended up dying and this is one of the things that's really affecting the body of christ many of us are like that one or are like that servant who because maybe we think we have just one talent many of us are bearing our one talent and many people are not doing anything in the body of christ you have been given various gifts many of us have buried our gifts in fact many of us do not desire spiritual gifts many of us are designed promotion many of us are designed good marriages many of us are designed wealth many of us are designed to be named in in 30 and 30. many of us are designed to take that picture of our husband and we post it it's a story of grace and all over social media there is more to your life than these things you have a supply to make in the body of christ and the reason why we see the church in the state that it is because if there are many dandruffs in the body of christ there are many people who are just in the body but have not come to the realization that the reason why we are not functioning fully is because you have decided that you do not care you don't have a hunger for these things all your appetite is about the flesh all your appetite is about what you eat about what you would wear that's why paul tells us that set your affections set your desires on things above we want to pray to god that father may we come to the realization that we have a role to play in the building of the body of christ every joint every joint supplied father we ask that may we come to the realization that we are not just called to be dandruffs we are not just called to be present in the body we are not just called to be cancerous parts of the body but we have a supply to make in the body of christ 
the world needs you the church needs you the body of christ needs you there's like there's a word of knowledge that the holy ghost wants to give to you but because of your lack of desire the holy ghost is holding back his gift many of us have this gift in us many of us because of our work with the holy ghost we have this gift in us but because all our desire is about ourselves i like to call it the unholy trinity me myself and i all we are praying about is when we are going to get mr right when we are going to get mrs right when are we going to land that job when are we going to get that car when are we going to buy that house and sweetheart i came to remind you that you have a role to play in the body of christ it's time for us to arise and serve in the body of christ it's time for us to desire spiritual gifts because it's through this gift we can be of service to the body of christ for the whole body being rightly formed and united together by the full working of every part father we pray for a desire that we may hunger after spiritual gifts so that we can become of benefit the body of Christ that we have a supply to make. The reason why many people are complaining about the state of the church is because you are doing nothing. It's because you are not contributing to the body of Christ. And anybody who doesn't end up contributing end up accusing because many people are accusing pastors, many people are accusing church leaders. And the reason why they are accusing these people is because they are doing absolutely nothing in the body of Christ. As long as you are a member of the body of Christ, you have a role to play. Help us, Lord, that we may come to this realization that we will live a selfless life and not a selfish life in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank you all for joining us and we hope that you will join us for our second part. Remember, this spiritual gift is not reserved for people who you may consider spiritual or who you may consider a full-time minister. But these gifts are given or they are reserved for everybody for every member of the body of Christ. As long as you consider yourself a Christian, you should not be ignorant concerning this gift because you have a role to play. May you not be a dandruff in the body of Christ. May you make it a supply in the name of our Lord Jesus. See you, God willing, next week. And thank you for being around. Bye-bye.